episode 12 with uh, my really great friend Craig Bignall and his lovely wife Suzanne. Uh, they have a, a new group called Over the Moon, uh, and they're fantastic. I really uh, enjoying uh, them, and they're growing and growing and getting better and better. Um, and really, it's 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 a great story, you know. Two, as you would say, backup musicians who uh, got together and they got married, and now they decided to put their own group together and putting themselves in the forefront instead of being. Uh, in the background and it's a great discussion on how they got to that and what that's all about and uh, I've known Craig forever and uh, I consider him one of my best friends and we were in Medicine Hat uh, on a day off on the Frank Mills tour and they were performing in town that night so we went and checked that out and it was fantastic so I hope you enjoy it uh, this is episode number 12 and here it goes <laughs> this lovely sound i can't there's an off button on that it doesn't shut off no yeah, it doesn't nice. shut off <laughs> all right we're here in where are we medicine hat yep with mr craig bignall and uh, nice to have you here nice to be here <laughs> and your lovely wife suzanne is here as well hello <laughs> she doesn't have a microphone close at the moment but uh we'll get on to that in a little bit Anyways, it was kind of cool last night. Uh, I'm on tour with Frank Mills and got into town on the night off. And uh, Over the Moon was playing. So we went to see you guys. It was awesome. <laughs> yep. I loved it. And uh, I've seen you uh, two or three times now. And that was definitely the, the best I've ever seen you. It was really, really, really good. Yeah, it was fun. I loved it. So we go back a long ways. Do you remember when we first met? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Cedar Tree. Was it Cedar Tree? Yeah. Studio working on somebody's record. I don't know who. Yeah. Maybe Boogie Lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got I to gotta do a podcast with Boogie Lady. Uh, that's an inside joke for about six people if you're listening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, you know what? I just found uh, I had a hard drive, and I was going through it, and I found it was a little folder. It said Boogie Lady. It's like, oh, I found it again. Nice. Anyways, for those listening, this was the session I... Uh, I did at Cedar Tree years ago with this particular uh, lady who played bass and sang uh, interestingly. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, that's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's made, it, made its rounds to a lot of people, that particular. Actually, you know what? There was somebody in Nashville years ago. Uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. And um, that came up and I said I recorded that session. So you recorded Boogie Lady? Yeah. It's just random person. So I know this particular album has gone around to a lot of people, but anyways, no one knows what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so we met a long time ago. Uh, Craig is uh, a fantastic drummer, but not only a great drummer, but um, plays banjo and acoustic. Um, what else do you play? Fallopian tuba. Yeah, that's, that's an important one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get a lot of call for that yeah yeah <laughs> not so much anymore no so you you grow up in kitchener yep yeah born in kitchener yep yeah and you're how many brothers and sisters i know you have a few right yep yeah where did you sit in the lineup second last second last yep tim was the last yep yeah in every way yeah, <laughs> I figured just, that was I'm enough after joking, that. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, because Tim's going to listen to this. Yeah, and uh, so when did you when did you start playing drums? What got you interested in that? Um, I think I was like eight or nine when I really started getting interested in it. I had a friend who who played bagpipes, and we used to camp up in Southampton, Ontario, and he used to play his bagpipes around the camp and. And he had a set of drumsticks, and he, he started teaching me some of those uh, Scottish 6-8 grooves, you know, the the bagpipe drumming. And I wanted yeah. to be, I wanted to do that like crazy, but th there wasn't a bagpipe band in Kitchener, so instead I joined the, a drum corps, fl uh, Flying Dutchman, and then the Dutch Boy Cadets, and that's how I started playing drums. Yeah, and you guys went all over the place doing that? Yep. Yeah. Competitions. Was... um. Who else was Ray Pahornik in that? No. Yeah, yeah he yeah, was. Yeah, he was. Yeah. 
Um, and, and my brother Tim. Yeah. So what got you from that into, where'd you go after that? What was your next drumming experience? Well, then I, I got a, my parents got me a, a, a set of drums and I started playing drum kit and started liking that. And then, uh, because the, the drum core thing is really good for your technique and everything, but it doesn't teach you much about music. You know, you play yep. the same thing, exactly the same, same nine songs or whatever for all year long and next year you switch so i started playing drum kit and then i started to uh wanting to learn more about that and then i started studying drum a lesson drum set lessons with gary tomlin in kitchener and that opened up a whole new world to me of of drumming and and percussion yeah gary just passed away right yeah yeah um yeah he seemed to be I don't think I ever met him, but he seemed to be very influential for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, he sure was. And he he was a drum corps judge. He was a really beautiful person and really kind and caring. But when when I was in drum corps competing, he was a judge. So he'd be out there in front of the drum line with his little clipboard. And, the, and his job was to, any little mistake, any little stick higher than another, your next guy beside you, yeah. he'd be marking down these demerit points. and. He was like eagle eye, eagle ear. He'd hear everything, and we all thought he was so mean. It was like, oh no, who's the judge today? Oh, it's Gary Tomlin. Everybody would be like peeking. And uh, but then after I started studying with him, he he was so kind and caring and and uh, and very knowledgeable. And he really pushed me on studying the uh, like mallet instruments of vibes and all that marimba but I didn't want to, and I didn't even have one, oh, yeah. and I uh, couldn't afford one. He gave me the key to his studio, and I could go there when he wasn't teaching and use his. Oh, that's cool. Not that it helped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to do it, but yeah. So so you went from from there. What was your first band experience? When I, when I was like 14 or 15, I already I started playing in wedding bands and stuff with people obviously much older than me and started to make really good money playing already you know yeah. aside from all the groups that we were in in high school and stuff your own little projects but for money i started playing all that 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 music and my friends were all packing groceries at the uh, at the grocery store and i was out playing making huge money for like a 15 year old and it, it really taught me how to not respect money yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> i bought a lot of really good things like steve martin would say a fur sink you know yeah. what i mean like it was just like <laughs> yeah so and and yeah and that's and and i just progressed from there so yeah the wedding bands and dances and stuff i mean that was a big deal there yep. was a lot of gigs. Now there, that doesn't hardly even exist yeah. anymore. Yeah, because DJs. We always go. We've talked a lot on the podcast about uh, yeah, younger kids now growing up and not really having any place to play. And and when we we're younger, we had abundance of places yeah. to perform. Um, and you would, you know, there'd be. I was playing with the family with dances when I was, I don't know, what age? It was like seven or eight. Mm -hmm. um, and there was just tons of them. And same thing, I was high school, every single weekend, everyone's going out and working or partying and going to a friend's house and I was doing gigs. Yeah, and, exactly. That's yeah. probably why we both never learned to dance. I know. <laughs> no, we, we we just watch everybody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And go, I will never do that yeah, in front of exactly. people ever again. <laughs> yeah. We have so many, I'm sure you do, we have so many stories of, of people walking by. I just, there's this one guy that I remember years ago we were playing and as the night went on this guy started to sweat more and more and he he sweat so much that he'd actually sweat his pants right so as he at one point he he was dance and it looked like he wet his pants like literally nice and you can imagine we're all you know i was probably 10 11 12 and you're watching this guy go <laughs> and we all look at each other as they go by we just we couldn't stop laughing constantly, but yeah, you'd see these people just ridiculous, right? And, yeah, and you do the polka, and everyone would dance the polka ridiculously, and and I was like, yeah, I uh, I'm not going to do that. Never going to do no, that. No, no, ever. 
Exactly. So when did you uh, get out of playing the dances? What was your kind of uh, first kind of maybe touring or would you want to say professional gig? Not that the dances weren't professional, but... Um, um, I remember I was doing that and I was teaching a lot and just, you know, subbing around. And then I met Rick Hutt, yeah. who, you know, and uh, and th he started putting together this like house band for a little club in Kitchener down the Lancaster Hotel. And uh, w we were doing like Eagles and Poco and stuff. And he's the one who started teaching me to sing harmonies and learn all those. And we started but it still wasn't really that professional although it was really good music but we just played there and I learned a lot from that and then from there I guess the first really touring band that I played with was Marie Bottrell oh, yeah. that was the first like and she won female vocals of the year that year and we toured with that and and that was the first time I toured and it wasn't really soft the seat theaters it was more clubs, clubs. right across so uh, again it was playing every night and it was really good for you not so much for money but yeah you but you were you got really good so who do you remember who all was in that band uh andrew affleck Back, yeah mr drew and uh a guy named steve hawkinson who was a young guitar player but he he was smart enough to become a lawyer yeah so <laughs> <laughs> he lives in vancouver now and uh wendy davis if you remember oh, wendy yeah, yeah. She's out west too, and I think that was it. Just the just us. So what what did the Wendy play? She strummed acoustic and yeah. sang. Yeah. And then I think we opened for some of her shows too with Wendy singing. Right. Yeah. Wendy was a great, great singer. Yeah, I did a bunch of sessions at Cedar Tree with her singing backups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was really great. Mm -hmm. Um. So how long did you do that with Marie? Do you remember? I think it was just two tours yeah. from the, an Eastern tour and a Western tour. That was the first time I was ever away from home. That was quite an eye opener. And then the first real um, theater tour I did was with Frank Mills. Oh yeah. I remember because uh, Tinty Moffat, uh, Rambo, uh, or what was that? Leonard. Leonard Rambo yeah. was managing Frank and Tinty was working for him and she asked if I'd like to go play with Frank Mills and I went yeah uh, sure and then I remember that the first time I played with Frank in a theater I was so nervous I could almost just hold my hand above the snare drum and do a roll with one hand and I was shaking so bad <laughs> and I remember Frank a couple of years later from playing with him he said I remember when you first played with me you were sitting there and you were just shaking and he goes now you're now I can't keep you awake <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it must have been pretty neat to see him last night at the show. Yeah, yeah, the, the captain. Yeah, it was great to see him. So you you worked with Frank for about 12, 11, 12 years. I think so, yeah. on and off. His he just yeah. he always had just a couple tours a year. Yeah, usually a Christmas tour, right? Or, yeah, and yeah. then one in the summer, or spring, or something. Yeah, yeah. So you start. I imagine with Rick, you started doing some studio work at Cedar Tree, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's a different. What probably was a different thing altogether right it's amazing what that yeah. teaches you yeah and doing studio work on what not to play <laughs> yeah yeah and so when you grew up uh what type of music I'm obviously you you got into country music quite a bit that's and various other things but um did you what you grew up listening to I, I never really listened to a whole lot of rock some like Chicago and and Blood Sweat or Chicago like the Lighthouse and stuff but I I listened to big band I love big band and jazz and stuff which is still a big passion for me you don't get to play it that often but yeah. that's what I really liked and then then I heard the Ozark Mountain Daredevils if you remember them and mm -hmm. and and that whole rural kind of banjoy thing just I went man I love this stuff you know because it was so rural to me it, it 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 sounded so organic and i said i want to learn that i want to drumming wise it was you know really easy but it, i just fell in love with that music and their vocals and everything so i decided to i was buying drum cases one day and i had some money left over and since i was such a fool with money as i 
previously stated, I thought, hmm, I have some money. What's, what's in, what else is in here? What do I need? And I saw a banjo hanging there. And I went, look at this, a banjo. And I had heard dueling banjos because everyone had, and I went, I think I can play this. And I've never played any stringed instrument. And so I bought this banjo, and then I rem remember going home, and I thought, I better get some like bluegrass music. And I didn't even know what that was at the time. So I went to a record store and said, do you have any bluegrass? And they said, uh, let, let's, let me look. And they looked, and then they said, the only thing we have is this called Newgrass Revival. Yeah. And I went, oh, okay, that must be okay. So I remember I got it, and I put it, it was a tape, and I put it in my car. And the first song was Great Balls of Fire, and John Cowan was singing it. And I went, whoa, this is bluegrass? And like, yeah. I thought that was bluegrass. And it killed me. It was so good. Yeah. And uh, so I was hooked on banjo ever since then. It's kind of interesting because you look at a lot of drummers not many drummers play other instruments you find right. a little bit like yeah maybe a guitar um but you don't see a lot of drummers playing um stringed or other other instruments and um it's does it do you feel that it helps you as a drummer that you've you play the other instruments i i think playing the other instruments it, uh, for sure helps you as a drummer. It makes you more musical. It, it makes, it, when you're playing drums, it makes it more about, about the song and the music, not about, look at me, I'm, you know, hip and I can do this. Yeah. You know, uh, when I was working with, I told you with Rick there down at the Lancaster, that was when I first started playing banjo a little bit. And, uh, and he, there was a, a drummer in the band, so I was standing on front of the stage playing my banjo, trying to sing a song. And the guy in the back, honestly, he's bashing away. It sounded like he was, you know, I always say building a house back there. And mm -hmm. it's like, what does that have to do with anything? So it really taught me to be more musical in that sense. And then I started to listen to that music and get a feel for it. And with my brushes and everything, you know, to change to subtly change the feel between verses and chorus and stuff so subtly but it makes it feel so good and and the other musicians don't know what you're doing all they know is that it feels really good yeah. you know to do these little little different things to to make make it interesting and nobody in the audience would ever notice they would no drummer would come up to say hey man, hey man you're really good like how'd you do that but they feel they feel it you know what i yeah. mean and uh well i've played with you enough times to know that and done enough studio yeah, work yeah. you have you are probably the most musical drummer i know because you the, the cool thing about playing with you you just don't get your part and stick with it you, you can tell your mind's always working to figure out how can i play to make this feel better or what can i do and, and you'll listen to what everyone else is playing you'll listen to the vocals and you'll make your drum part part work with what everyone else is doing yeah instead of i think there's so many drummers will be like this is what i'm playing yeah and everybody you know i'm i'm the driver of this bus yeah and everyone else is a passenger where you are kind of looking at everybody else and trying to figure out what they're doing and you make your part work with everybody else which is kind of unique uh compared to a lot of drummers i've worked with yeah and that's probably from playing the other instruments yeah you, and listening to that stuff you know for sure yeah, and it's neat because it's it isn't big changes. They're just little, just subtle, very subtle things around uh, what everyone else is playing. Because everyone has a you know certain you kind of know what the person's going to play. Everyone's got a little bit of a style, and you you figure it out what everyone's style is, and you kind of work your drumming around even guitar parts and solos and vocals, and uh, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I've ever had anyone else that kind of got that the way you did, mm -hmm. which is pretty neat. Um, so speaking of Newgrass Revival. I know you uh, you ended up playing with John Cowan for a while. How did that come about? I was I played on some uh, recording songwriter demos for John Gully, if you remember yeah. John. And uh, and John had written a song for John Cowan, and uh, he, John was interested in getting some more tunes. And so uh, Gully sent some more songs down to Cowan, and then Cowan heard me playing on them. And he goes, man, I like to feel this guy. And and so he, all of a sudden, he called and said, 
do you want to come down and, and play drums with me down to Nashville with, with Callan? And it was like, yeah, yeah, I guess I would. Yeah, sure. I couldn't believe I was going down to meet one of my heroes, let alone play with him. Yeah. So that's how that all came about. And then when I was down there the first night, we, we got there a day early and, uh, uh, John Callan was talking about John Hartford, who was one of my biggest heroes and all of Newgrass loved John Hartford. Yeah. And so John Callan and I stayed up almost all night playing and singing John Hartford tunes. And I was just playing guitar. And it, since then we've been like best friends. And he didn't even know I played banjo at that time. I played with him for about a, a year and didn't even tell him that I played banjo. Oh, yeah. And one day I said, hey, you know, I play banjo. And he goes, no. Nah. And I said, yeah, I do. And he goes, well, next time bring it down. And I remember we were rehearsing at this horse ranch. And uh, we went into the stables and I brought my my banjo with me. And John and Jeff Autry, you know, Jeff, the guitar player, and yeah. me, he goes, what do you want to play? And I said, doesn't matter. And he goes, how about, uh, I can't remember what tone, tune it was. Mm -hmm. And he goes, just kick it off. And I said, okay. And I kicked it off. And they just laughed out loud. <laughs> they couldn't believe a, a drummer from Canada could come down there to Nashville and play banjo with them. They just, they just laughed hysterically. They couldn't believe it. So then I ended up starting to play banjo with them too. Some, you know, when I wasn't drumming and, and, and a lot of times we used to back up Vassar Clements. And uh, so there's times I was playing, I was sitting on stage playing banjo with Vassar Clements and John Cowan, Jeff Autry, sometimes Sam Bush even. And, and I just couldn't believe what I was, where, where I was, you know? Yeah. I remember so. when you were doing that and I could just, you could tell like you were like in cloud nine the yeah. whole time. Unreal. So I know there was a chance probably for you to, um, I know they were kind of pressuring you to move to Nashville, right? Yeah. And what made you decide not to do that? They even had a place for me and everything. Yeah. I just didn't want to live in Nashville. I love Canada. So I was like, nah, I'll, I'll just keep coming down every weekend. <laughs> yeah, I know. You would drive yeah. down from Kitchener, basically, or that area to Nashville. And I remember you doing that. And you just drive back in your truck. Yeah. And uh, that was tough. I mean, I know how you did it. Yeah. I flew a lot of times, but a lot of times I would drive. And I remember that I tell people this story. My record was driving all the way from Owen Sound all the way to Nashville, timing it so that I'd get there right in the morning so we could rehearse. We'd rehearse all day and then we'd play a show and then I drove home after. Yeah. Which is insane now, but I did it. <laughs> A lot of people drive home after the gig, but your drive is 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, 13, yeah. That's crazy. So is there any part of you that regrets not going and sticking with that? I, it got so that it was a real pain to, even just flying took me just as long going through immigration and everything and that hassle. It was a real pain to, to do it. And a lot of times I'd fly to Nashville and then have to get in the, the bus or whatever with them and, and drive really far to the, the show, you know what I mean? Yeah. So when I figured out how much I was making per hour, it was like three cents, up to 13 cents an hour of time that you were gone. But when every time when we got on stage and started playing, I went, it's so worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just loved it. And But it's a lot of crap to get to that hour to, to get there yeah you know, of 90 minutes of greatness yeah and then and i would have i who knows i mean i might have still been doing it except i i smashed my leg really bad and i couldn't play for almost half a year so and then i remember that yeah and then i just because <laughs> you were playing with us at the time yeah yeah <laughs> and then i just uh you know i said john i can't come for a while so they went on without me, but they never replaced me. They they didn't have a drummer then after that. Yeah. And John still calls every year. Every year he goes, let's set up some dates and we want you to come down. But now with immigration, it's so hard yeah. to get a visa for a couple shows. It's so expensive. It's just it's not worth it. You just time can't you pay that. Can't yeah, do the it. Fees and and you got to know a few months out. And, and he's busy with the Doobie Brothers now, anyways. But yeah. Still. Yeah, that must have been a blast. I remember when you were going through that and playing that and it was, it was pretty cool. Unreal. 
met all my heroes at those festivals, like yeah. Tell You Ride and everything. Well, it's great that you got to do it. And obviously, I know that world's not, it's not a huge money-making world. There's not, um, you know, it's different when you're in town and you could play a lot, um, but having to travel and, and, and do all that, that just wears on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but awesome experience. Yeah. Like really, really, really awesome. Yeah. So where, where'd you go from after that? You were, you know, obviously you did the Cowan thing and you kind of came back and, and where did that kind of, uh, leave you at that point? At, at that point I was still playing with Susan and Glukark and I was still her music director. So I was busy with those two things. And then, after John, then I came back and pretty much focused on working with Susan. And, uh, and she had some really busy times and then it kind of, she wasn't, she was doing more uh, um, keynote speaker things than actually p- performing live. So I had some more time. And then I think I was working with Beverly Mahood for a while uh, with her music. <laughs> and uh, you, you, when you're playing with Susan, you really developed a, a cool style that everyone talked about because you played a stand-up kit, like a cock, like a really, um, you know, kind of put together. I wouldn't say it's a cocktail kit because you had so much going on besides that. Um, uh, but you had a, you know, everyone talked about, you know, this guy playing standing up and all the weird drums. Yeah. Well, Sus- Susan's music is basically was then was basically a a dialogue between. Her, voc- her vocals and percussion, drums and percussion, and the bass was really important too. So yeah. so I had to try to, I remember at first we tried to use some trigger pads and stuff and a sampler and a sequencer and it melted one show right just before it went on and it was like, I'll never do this again. Yeah. So I had to start, try to recreate all that stuff live. So I had all these, n- native drums and frame drums and stuff all mounted around this stand-up kit. I had to stand so I could reach them all. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, it, I got a sore leg standing on one leg all the time, but um, it was really cool and I loved it. Yeah. So eventually, I know you, you played with a bunch of other people. You played with Amy. Did you do Amy Sky. Amy Sky for a while? And, yep. Um, and still busy doing... Um, a lot of studio work and and um, and eventually you got to the place where you are now. Yeah. Which is uh, where I'm ca- most happy. Yes, which is kind of a really cool story. Um, I know you kind of tell the story in your show, but I think it'd be neat to kind of uh, share how you uh, met Suzanne. I think it's. Uh, like the auto trader part or yeah the auto trader no <laughs> yeah. the Gigi uh singles part of Gigi. <laughs> well i had a farmer's uh <clears throat> arm uh, what's that for? farmer's almanac or, or that one uh the one they advertised on farmer com where you it's like a dating site for farmers <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was it anyways i i uh lived up in gray county just south of Owen sound and i had my studio set up there and I used to do a lot of recording drums, percussion and banjo for people who'd send me their projects to work on. And this band that Suzanne was part of sent me an album project to do. And so I just did it like anything, you know, but I do remember Sue's voice because it was so beautiful, but also like I mentioned last night on stage, the one song that she sang was her voice was for some reason they had it way up too high it was blowing my head and, and, and you know if you're playing along with something you have to really try to concentrate and hear where the time is to especially when you're overdubbing drums which is always hard at the best I, of times yeah i've done enough sessions with you where you i know because you've always said yeah darren could you take the vocal out of my mix but yeah yeah <laughs> like completely out yeah so, yeah and i and hers was like wailing in there so i knew i certainly knew what she sounded like by the end of that anyways so i i recorded their whole record and sent it off to them and and then a few months later i was in calgary uh re- rehearsing with tom jackson for his huron carol tour and uh 
uh, her group, the Traveling Mabels, her group at the time, the Traveling Mabels, uh, they were going to have the CD release party for the record I had played on. So they contacted me and said, hey, you're in town. Would you want to play? And I said, yeah, sure. And uh, so the release came, and that's when I met. I met Suzanne, and, and and I thought she was pretty special, you know, especially when her voice was turned down. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, and that was it. That's when I met her. But then after all our rehearsals, Tom Jackson was having a – a dinner party at his house and traditionally he he invites a lot of Calgary's music people artists and stuff you know they all come and and after supper he always has a in the round like swap the guitar singing tunes in the in this in a circle and I, and I was just sitting there and and I remember the, the guitar came to me and I and I was fairly new to playing guitar then and it was like and he wanted me to sing a song he wanted me to sing the song paradise because he likes that song and i sang it for him once so i'm singing that john prine tune and and i was really afraid because there's all these other artists and and most of them are very much overconfident and i was (laughs) singing this song and like i said last night my voice sounded like buckwheat it was like my vibrato and suzanne was there and she felt sorry for me and she got her bass and came and sat beside me and and sang harmonies with me and instantly I sounded way better, and instantly my voice stopped shaking, and that was it for me. I fell in love with her, totally. That's awesome. Yeah, but she didn't like me. But that's <laughs> it took a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took, it took three days or something. Yeah, <laughs> had to add the charm in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. had to get some more jokes in there to yeah to seal the deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, Let's get uh, let's get Suzanne in here for a second. Squeeze on in here. We for those who are listening, we're just uh, we're at the uh, my hotel and uh, in Medicine Hat, and I uh, got my little traveling rig, so I only have one extra microphone. So we're going to share this for a minute. And uh, oh, there, there you are. Can you hear me? Yeah, you sound nice. Thank you. Yeah, it's well. better better on the mic than in person. <laughs> you sound so bassy in here. <laughs> so welcome. Nice yeah, to have you. Uh, you here so let's go back with you just a little bit because um i don't know much of your history from when you got started but uh are you i heard last night are you originally from quebec is that correct or did you live in quebec or native roots from quebec or no. am i totally wrong totally wrong okay i didn't <laughs> well, hear my that family i guess my dad's side's probably back in the family tree yeah but um i grew up in bc Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Whereabouts? In the North Okanagan. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that's rough. Armstrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a nice place to grow up. Yeah, get a little closer to the oh, mic, sorry. if you don't mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know it's not the ideal <laughs> setup. It's hard to carry, like, boom microphone stands yeah. when you're flying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what got you? I know you're a fantastic bass player, great singer. What, what did you start doing first? Were you a musician first, a singer first, or...? Um, both kind of, cause, yeah. uh, but, well, when I was, I, we, we had a family band yeah. just like you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, my brother was, he plays piano and sings. And so he was taking piano lessons. My mom was an acoustic player yeah. and sings. She still does. And my dad plays accordion, fiddle, all the old time yeah. fiddle stuff, you know? So we, uh, there was a bass there, I guess it was, I didn't really choose the bass. It kind of like was there and they had I had to play something yeah <laughs> so I got to play bass so yeah that's how I started and it just started in a family band so I think it was 12 when we did our first gig yeah and and then we were together for 15 years or something like that and three-part harmony and we played all the legions and stuff like that and in BC did kind of like the circuit. So yeah, the weekends <laughs> yeah. through high school were in the legions and stuff with my family. She, <laughs> so she staying out of trouble. Dance. Yeah, learn how to dance <laughs> <No>. in the legions. <laughs> <laughs> a little <laughs> from watching. Yeah. yeah, what is it with musicians who that they don't never never dance? Like yeah, hardly yeah. any of them want to dance. I guess it's from us watching everyone else <laughs> has it go back to that. So uh you're playing bass with the family and um that's pretty i mean obviously i know what that's all about that's you i mean i think learning harmonies and all that stuff is that's a great way of doing it when you're in a family band i think that's one of the things that you gain most 
from singing with family members is that you learn how to sing harmonies really well. Yeah. Because um, you don't always get that when you're just young and playing with other kids because they just don't figure out what harmonies are. You may be lucky if you do, but there's something about singing with a family. You figure that stuff out because <laughs> that's part of what singing with a family is. So that's a neat asset to kind of learn. Yeah, and it's amazing that after you, when you're going on to other musical things and and then you miss the, the family harmony, like kind of took it for granted, I would say, when I was <laughs> in the family band and then you go to other bands and it's like, oh, it's not really the same. The blend isn't there and or it whatever. is, isn't it different? I know yeah. I, I've had the same thing. It's like, and and no one ever works on it. You just yeah. r- you run the course once, and and it's, all right, and I'm thinking, oh, that was totally wrong. <laughs> like there was yeah. nobody singing, um, or else you know, the thing I always got was you, you go out and you practice your part, and then you go do the show, and the other guy takes your part. <laughs> and I always That's had that after all the, yeah. All of a sudden, you go to sing, and all of a sudden, hey, that's. That's my part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what am I going to do now? And then you're the one that looks like the idiot because yeah. now you have to jump and try to find the other part. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, not enough people work on harmonies. And it, yeah. I think it's brushed over so quickly. And, um, you know, the bands that have the harmonies together, they really stand out. And yeah. That's, that's an important, important deal. Yeah, for sure. So obviously the family band kind of moved on to... What did you do after that? Were you... Uh, after the family band, well, he, we'd moved out to Alberta to because music in BC was kind of dying, like it, or in North Okanagan there wasn't much music happening. So, yeah. so, so we all moved to Alberta and started playing for a while, like five years. We were playing out here, and then, and then, yeah, then we ended up disbanding or whatever. And and then I joined some just sort of like touring road bar bands kind of thing for a yeah. while so a couple of years that so that was interesting <laughs> that was a different adventure yeah especially uh, for a female yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's traveling with all the guys in the band van or whatever yeah so um yeah and then um then i got a call well the drummer from gord bamford's band came out and saw me play and they were their bass player was leaving so they asked if i wanted to join the gord bamford band so i did that for three years and that was fun, like a different level of touring, of course, in buses and opening in big, big shows and stuff like that. Yeah. When did the uh, Traveling Maybells come about? Uh, about the third year into Gord's. So that was 2008 or so. Yeah. Um, I was friends with Lana Flown and, and we went out to the CCMAs and my mom was there and we got up and sang some sort of open mic thing and and then we had that sort of family blend of course like my mom and I sang together lots but Lana's voice blended well with ours and was like this is like family harmonies you know and so we started singing more together and we thought we should do an album and mom and Lana had written lots of songs at that point so we put an album together and and then just started making more sense to focus on the traveling Mabels and and leave Gord's band so then yeah. yeah so we started playing together and that was you know more acoustic music and theater shows and it was fun yeah. I, I've never I haven't seen you guys live but I saw a bunch of videos online it, it seemed really great um, yeah like you said the harmonies were really uh, were really great and um, yeah weirdly enough because uh Lana's husband Keith. I used to have. I used to send him a bunch of stuff. Uh, he's a great piano player, so he yeah. played tracks on. Does do some tracks for me, and it's funny how you become, you know, kind of friends, or you get working with somebody, and then that ends up being related to another friend of yours, and you know, it's just kind of it's such yeah. a small community. <laughs> it's amazing how everyone ends up just kind of becoming friends or working together. Or you know someone who ends up working with a friend so quickly. It's it's even you could be on the other side of the country and that yeah and that works. It's kind of a neat community that way. And you can really I think nowadays in Canada where I think it's 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 really the whole country right. Where before if you were you were an Ontario band or you were a right. um, East Coast band or you're a West Coast band, where now you can see a band and you know 
drummers from Halifax and the bass players from Edmonton and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's a kind of really spread across the whole country, which is neat. Because I think at one time, uh, you know, there might be a little bit of this here, but there certainly was a divide, I thought, you know. You didn't mix, Ontario bands didn't mix with West Coast <laughs> bands. And, and, you know, East Coast had their own thing. And um, there seemed to be, you know, that's where you stuck with that but now I don't know if it's because of the internet and um, social media and whatever all that it's kind of brought that the whole country it's now smaller so you you know everyone gets to know each other better it's not that divide of of uh, musicians not that anyone didn't like each other but it just seemed that no one ever think of hiring a west coast drummer or bass player or whatever it would be Um, but now there's a lot of that which is really cool yeah yeah and it you know it should should be like that it's one big community so yeah so you met craig obviously uh that that night (laughs) so tell me on your story when that guitar was being passed around and it got to craig what was your thought when when that happened what was uh well i could tell he was nervous and i knew he wasn't like the usual like an artist that goes out and, you know, like he's the drummer and he, he seemed nervous. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I should just go and get my bass and help him out or whatever, just by playing. I didn't, I think I made a saying a little, but. You did. Yeah. <laughs> right in my ear. Yeah. <laughs> 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 right in your ear. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah that, so that's kind of, it seems like in your story, that was kind of like the pivot moment for you guys, right? Where there was this kind of connection that happened. Um, seemed more on Craig's end. <laughs> at the time. At the, at the particular time. Yeah. Well, we did a couple, uh, Tom's did a, a fire relief show, a Slave Lake fire relief show, right? Yeah, and the, the Mabels were on it, and Craig was the drummer, percussionist, banjo, utility guy on it. So there was about three or four days where we had rehearsals, and so we were all together, and... So I kind of got to know Craig a bit, and I, I just wanted to bug him. He, <laughs> I'm like, he seems sweet. <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted <laughs> to pick on him. <laughs> Craig has a charm about him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's yeah. very charming, and uh, no, but yeah, it's very likable. And and uh, I don't, you know, I don't think I've ever heard anyone that you know hadn't said great things about like Craig you know you always hear you know uh, that person or that person but uh, Craig's always like you know he's kind of like everybody's friend everyone loves hanging around Craig because he just brings a certain um, vibe to any gig or any any place where he's at usually a depressing vibe no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. my car the vibe yeah, yeah. Pontiac vibe so you obviously you guys uh, hit everything off out of the park you guys got married um, and uh, you decided to, to start making music together so um, that's a really cool thing now seeing you guys last night perform and like I said a couple times I have seen before it just seems like you've been playing together for 30 years right that's what it feels like um did it feel like that right from the beginning when you just started uh you know trying to put stuff together or when we when we uh first started like I said I was never really on stage before without the drums my drums all in front of me and Sue as well he usually never spoke on stage too much just sang and played bass so when we did our first show together as over the moon we were the focus of attention which was really nerve-wracking for both of us I remember and we had to speak between songs and talk to the people I I was so nervous my fingers like I could hardly feel my banjo (laughs) strings it was like I couldn't tell what string my fingers were on it was like sheer terror, wasn't it? Yeah, and that was just, we just did a coffee shop yeah. gig in our hometown with a bunch of our friends and stuff like that. And my my mom and her husband came and like kind of opened the show. <laughs> so it was like, 
yeah, you think it would be less nerve-wracking with your friends and family there, but made it more scary, kind of. And Sue goes, I don't want to do this. I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to do this. Yeah. yeah this, this. It makes you think different. Do you, do you think differently about if you go back and look at everyone you played with before, do you look at them differently knowing now? That they have to do that. They have to do that. It's 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 you know it's a different thing when you have to entertain and be that front person and and I think it's easy as a musician to kind of look at a person maybe not realize how difficult that position is until you're you're in it and the people who do it really well um, how great of a skill that is yeah you know? and I look at the people you know I've worked with I look at uh, like someone like uh, what Jim Witter obviously he's so good at McCoy, Jason McCoy. He's fantastic. You know, he just carries the show. I mean, he's just able just to kind of do it and play guitar and do the solos and entertain and keep the band together and, and all that stuff. And that's a, it's a tough job. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think when you're a backing musician, you get that time in between songs to really prepare for the next song the next or, one, yeah. or you could be thinking about the next song while you're playing that one. And, and, your mindset's on something different. You're not thinking about uh, okay, what am I going to say after this song, or what's you know what? It's you. You don't have a chance to think about what's coming up next as often as you do when you're just kind of sitting back doing your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a it's it's a change for sure. Since you know you're doing that for so long, um, and now to be the front uh, uh, folks, um, it, it's you know certainly probably was different for you for sure. It was beyond terrifying <laughs> and and on top of that we're pretty shy people to begin with you know like yeah. a lot of singers we work with when it's time to check their mic they'll walk up to the mic and go like yeah with nothing they're so proud of what they do and they or friends that go into a music store like long McQuaid and pick up a guitar and turn the amp up you know yeah i, w- I would never do that yeah you know what i mean <laughs> even now like even when i the sound check drums for, I'm like, yeah, that's good. You know, like I don't want to play loud. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, the, the, just the way we are, both of us. So, on top of it, even more so. <laughs> so you ended up putting in uh, a, your first CD together. Um, so what was that experience like? You did a lot of the. Did you write all the songs on it, or there was some? I'm trying to remember. Sixty, sixty percent. Yeah, of yeah. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, but what was that like? I know you did a lot of it yourself, right? Mm-hmm. At home, pretty much everything. And I remember getting that, and I was, I was blown away because, um, I, I know I've done a lot of studio work with you, and and I know you weren't that computer savvy and that computer no. that recording savvy. You did some stuff at home, and yeah, and um, uh, didn't you get some? You got some of the. Did you use that Moltu? box you got uh, yeah, off of me that you gave me yeah, yeah for that first one and uh so you i remember you telling me that and i got the project and i was like holy crap this sounds really good <laughs> <laughs> it was like wow i mean i couldn't believe like you would honestly think that you went into a real pro studio and and, and got it done and, and that's what everybody says yeah so that must feel really good uh that must be like a, a great accomplishment for you both yeah, it felt pretty amazing. We, I, like I said, we didn't even know what we were doing. I went and rented a preamp, and I didn't even know how to plug it in or turn it on. I didn't know what it was for. I, I, I said, everyone says you need a preamp, so I went and rented one, yeah. and I just played with it until it sounded good and went, I think this sounds good, and that's what we, how we did it. Well, so. I mean, <laughs> half the time, that's what it is. You just turn things until yeah. it sounds good. But obviously, you have really great, great ears. You always have really great ears, and I'm sure both of you really do. I mean... Um, that's half the battle is knowing if you're on the right spot of the microphone or if something's not sounding right, you, you have the ears to, mm-hmm. to make, you know, whatever correct, even though you don't even realize what you're doing, you're, you're making those corrections. Right. So, yeah. Um, so you finished up the first CD and, uh, I know you guys have been, uh, you've gone down to the, uh, the folk Alliance and, and the States and, and showcase there. What was that like the first time you did your your own show. You've gone with other artists there mm-hmm. before. I know you talked about that last night. Um, 
what was it like doing your first showcase? It was really good. Uh, and we weren't that, by that time, we weren't that nervous. And yeah. I guess we felt as if we spent that much money to go all the way to Kansas City and to showcase, we were going to try to do good. And, and we, we were starting to feel proud about what we did. You know what I yeah. mean? So it worked really good for us. We made some really good contacts. And there was a lady there from a magazine from New York City called Elmore Magazine. And our CD wasn't finished the first time we went. And but she really liked us. She stopped us in the hall and said, I was listening to you guys. You really have something. And then she says, she goes, do you have a CD? And I said, I'm sorry, we don't, it's not finished yet. And it, it was a couple months away. And uh, she said, send it to me when you do. And I sent it to her and she loved it. And she gives a lot of people bad reviews and she loved ours, you know, and, yeah. and that's a big magazine in New York. And, uh, and the, and we also met a contact from over in the UK and we sent our CD over to him and he, he actually distributed it for us to some of the best, biggest acoustic country magazine, Roots magazines over there and BBC radio, a lot of radio stations and everything. And it, it's pretty much changed our life over there now. Yeah, that's fabulous. Mm -hmm. So you're working on a new CD now. Mm -hmm. So what's that process like? Are you still recording a lot of it at home yeah yeah some of sometimes i send parts out like to friends that will do yep. a part and send it back to me but other than that we've recorded everything at home and the, we've made some friends at the national music center in in um calgary so we've gone in there to sing a couple of our vocals so far there and we'll probably go again i think maybe this week to do a few more and they have some of the best gear in the world vintage yeah. gear like this last song, the one you heard, uh, I sang my part into Neil Young's old uh, U47 mic. Oh. And you sang into U67, right? Mm -hmm. That's, uh, yeah, I've, I've been wanting to check that place out. It's like awesome. The, yeah. Um, so what's, do you find the approach of the CD any different from the first one? Is it, do you, are you thinking about things differently when you do this one or? Uh, I know we talked about a little bit last night when you've got uh, a crunch to get the next one done. It's a lot different than when you're just kind of a little bit more laid back and, and working on the first one and developing and seeing where it goes. Now you've kind of have, you kind of have a sound, you have a, you know, a thing you've put together. Now you've got to put a whole new project together. What's, what's, what's that like? At first it felt pretty relaxed. I thought, Hey, we're just going to do our next, CD and 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 you know we had we already had some kind of neat songs we were excited to try and we know what we're doing a bit more but and we set a release date for February but then all of a sudden we got some tours booked and now the now we feel the crunch so we've been working really it's hard to write under pressure you know yeah. what I mean for us and we we don't want to do you know a ton of cover songs we're trying to write our own so we're feeling the the pressure this time to get them written and recorded for sure the cool thing about uh your original songs um you know when you go out to see an artist and say hey, we're gonna we've got some new songs to play for you and it's like oh crap <laughs> you know <laughs> i just want to hear the songs i know or or you know that type of thing right and but with you guys i like the originals more than I like the covers, right? There's oh, great. there's something that's more you about them, right? And they and they're really great songs. You're great writers, and you've and the arrangements are really great. Um, and some of them have great humor, and that's great about what I like about your act too. That it's it, it's serious, but not all at the same time. You're you're serious about what you do, but there's this fun. Um, relaxed kind of joking vibe mm -hmm. to to your show and I think that is so important because it just relaxes everybody right away like within the first couple songs you feel like oh this is going to be fun um, and then you get blown away by you know this great music um, so obviously now writing new songs do you are you it, like you said, it feel the pressure of what you have done in the in the first one, and and 
you know, obviously you've got a February. Is that a locked in thing or why did you end up picking February? Oh, we had to make a decision about it and, and we'd really like to have our new record out by Folk Alliance in February. So yeah. that's why, I mean, I, we can change it if we want, but we are really going for February. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we feel the pressure about, y- y- everybody is gonna be watching for this the next record, you know. We've already got our people on board in the UK, they're all pumped, Yeah. you know. Maverick Magazine there, which is the, the biggest one there, said they, they'll do a complete ad, for a uh, complete article on us this time. We'll be on the cover as soon as it comes out. And it's like, yeah. that's scary <laughs> if it's gonna suck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if it's, it's like, yeah, nice swing and a miss on the second one. I'll be, I'll be back being a drummer. Well, you sent me, uh, <laughs> you, sent, <laughs> you sent me a song uh, a couple weeks ago and if the album ends up sounding like that, it's going to be really, really great. It was, uh, it was one of one of those things too, where um, you sent it to me, and I said, "Okay, I got to listen to this." And I was in my car, and I just like hit it. I, I think I listened to it four times in a row, and it was like, "Holy crap, that's really good!" <laughs> and it's the same thing. It's like sonically, it sounds really great too. I mean, the recording is really great, and um, and it's like I said to you earlier um you've captured um that thing where it, that draws you into a song right when you listen to some great artists where you just can't help but listen to the lyrics and because i'm not a big lyric guy uh, i never have been because i think sometimes when you're um a musician you're always listening to the musical parts of the song mm-hmm. and the lyric comes later and I want to hear what the drummer's playing. I want to hear what the bass player's playing. I want to hear, you know, all those things. You learn all the, I know all the guitar licks before I know what the lyrics mm-hmm. are. And when I get drawn into a song, um, uh, it's, you know, it has to be really strong for me to, to get, you know, soaked into that. And I think that's kind of just the honesty. Um, I think I've talked before about uh, seeing Winona uh, a few years ago at this Christmas concert in Vegas. And I just kind of, I was there and went to see it, and it was, it was one of those nights where it was so magical. I think like, every song was just like, wow, just it was, it was everything was great, playing was great, but besides that, she just drew you in, and it was part of it because she was so honest in between songs. She told these stories about her life and 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 the battles that she's been going through, and it was just like, holy smokes! But that whole openness and the whole trueness about. Uh, the way she approached the show and her music, it just brought another element, it made you um, connect with everything way better. And that's what I get with you guys is because you're just kind of yourselves and and you got this comedy flair, but then there's this real kind of more deep side that underlies everything. Uh, it really, really works well. So I think, you know, so far a really great start to the uh, second CD. I'm pretty excited about it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do something on it. Give me a song to mix or something. Yeah, <laughs> I should. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I wish wish we were closer because I'd I'd you know I'd love to uh, be part of it. Uh, yeah, somehow, we'll have to send you something. Yeah, maybe third album. You have to just come to Ontario and I'll convince That's you. That's what to, we should do. Yeah, come and record there. Just kind of hang out for a while and do something fun. Mm-hmm. So, what do you see now? Uh, I was going to ask you how how did you come up with your name? Where, where did that come from? That's how we felt about each other. Yeah. I was over the moon. <laughs> Somebody called us under the moon. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's over the moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's no really sit down and, and you know, we got to think of a name. It just kind of happened naturally. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I, we can't remember now if we, that you heard us play that song, our song Over the Moon yeah. last night. I, I honestly can't remember if we wrote that song first or if we came up with a name of the our duo first. Yeah. Can't remember. I think maybe we wrote the song first. Yeah, and it seemed to work as a good, yeah. Yeah. We thought that might be a good name for us or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Works good. I like the artwork and everything. Um, works really great. So where do you see, uh, you know, the next year or two for you guys? Would you, you have... Uh, 
do you have like the five-year plan or the two-year plan? Or are you just kind of just going to see what happens? Well, we're excited to release our new record, yeah. uh, like in February, and then um, in May we have an 18-day uh, tour of China coming up. Uh, it, it only eight shows, but it'll take the 18 days to do them. I guess yeah. they're in different provinces all over China, even Mongolia. Wow! So I'm going to go to a grill there. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so where's the grill? <laughs> and the venues are huge. Like uh, we've Googled them. Some are brand new, huge, like 4,000 seaters. Look amazing. And it's going to be suing me standing there in front of 4,000 Asian people with a banjo. No, we actually we, we bought a screen and stuff like that. We're thinking yeah. of putting a like a video element into it yeah for yeah yeah because you have to look at that differently because you're you know you got a language barrier right so um you know a lot of your sh show is the talking in between and the stories yeah and, i know and all that stuff so Sorry. you'll have to you'll have to really think on how to approach uh yeah because you won't know until the first show i'm sure there will be some english-speaking people there but there's probably a majority not they often have a translator for you oh, yeah. right on stage, which is kind of, how do you know he's going to translate your humor? Yeah, and it's not always, <laughs> it's, you know, for for you, Craig, it's your, um, it's your delivery more than anything else that, yeah, yeah. you know, it's kind of that real dry and, and uh, but yeah, that's, that'd be, it's going to be exciting to do that. Mm -hmm. And you're on the Huron Carol tour this uh, Christmas? Yep. So that takes you across the country. I know I looked at the schedule and I was like, oh. I'm not gonna not gonna be home when you're in Ontario. Oh. I think I home like two days later or something like that. That's so. how it always is. That's why last night was so special. Yeah, yeah, it was really neat. I can't remember how that came about, but I was uh, we were had a waiting for people to come in at the theater, and I was online looking at my schedule, and then I saw something about you guys, and I looked, and then I was like, oh, I wonder if you can be playing anywhere uh, close to. You know, we had a couple of days off, so I thought maybe there'd be spot to see you and it's like wow we're gonna be in the same city <laughs> on yeah, the day same, off so yeah unreal so that worked yeah, really perfect. really well well i'm excited for you guys um i think this venture for you is just perfect and um i'm sure you feel um lucky that this all came together and and uh, uh when i was watching you last night it was one of those things where it's like i felt uh just like super proud, right? For uh -huh. from you know, just sat there, it's like, oh, I'm really so proud of these guys, and and you you can tell you work really hard, and and it just fits and it seems just right, and uh, it's nice to see, um, you know, a couple musicians, if you want to just put it that way, that's you know, kind of been performing for everybody else now, come out front and and. Uh, and be really strong and and work really well. So I'm sure you're, it's really exciting for the both of you. Um, but we wish you uh, great success. We'll have to do this um, maybe again. We'll do uh, next year. Maybe we can do like a little um, play a couple of cuts from the new mm -hmm. new project and and talk about the uh, new album and all that stuff and kind of keep every once in a while keep caught up with what's going on with your career and and uh, it's pretty exciting. And uh, I'm really glad that the heater turned off for the last 10 minutes of the, <laughs> yeah. the podcast. Now I can hear everything. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. Funny. Here in the, uh, this is my first on the road podcast uh, in a hotel room. So that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, and you're playing tonight in uh, Medicine Hat for a show mm -hmm. and uh, uh, up against head to head with Frank Mills. With Mr. Frank. <laughs> that's, that's kind of probably weird to you. You're playing in the same town as some of you performed with for, 11 yeah. or 12 years and yeah. you're doing your own thing and um that's that's really cool um but yeah i know frank was uh really excited seeing the show last night he was blown away and and brian edwards was there and all of us uh, brenda and uh we all talked about it on the way back and and we're just like wow and i think it's cool like i mentioned earlier for someone that you you play drums for for that long to see you come out front and do your thing. I, I think he thought that was really incredible. So pretty neat. Well, wish you all the luck. Thanks for coming and spending a bit of time. And uh, it was great to see, I guess you guys, I wish you guys lived in Ontario, but I <laughs> see you guys more often, but yeah, might be. 
Yeah. If you never know. Or something. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Still a plan. Yeah. Well, congratulations and good luck with the next tour. And and how how do people find uh, you guys on the uh, on the Facebook and all that stuff? It's uh, is it over the moon? The uh, website's overthemoonband.com. Yeah. And then the Facebook, the Facebook is the Facebook. Uh, over the Moon Roots, or Acoustic Roots Duo. Or Over the Moon Music, I think. <laughs> One of the two. You'll know. find it to yeah, search Over the Moon and then yeah. see what comes search, up. we got to search ourselves. There's a couple of Over the Moons but around. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Over the Moon Music is our Facebook. <laughs> yeah, you guys should figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it was such a huge hit. Are you on, you on Instagram as well? Or? Yep. Yep. Some some random name on that as well. Yep. Search for Over the Moon and I don't know. I think it's Instagram. Over the Moon Music too. I'll paste it on uh, on the show notes <laughs> so you can find it. I'll do the research for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go on our website and then you can find everything. Yeah, everything. All the links are on our website. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, and uh, have a great show tonight, and uh, we'll see you next time. Okay. Thanks, thanks for having us, Darren. Thanks.